Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Um, today is, I don't even know, it's Friday morning. This is not going to come out until Saturday. It's a weird weekend. I recorded earlier an episode. I recorded an episode today at like 2 in the morning. Right now it's 5.31 in the morning, meaning it's a second episode that I've recorded in like three hours. Um, I'm going on vacation this weekend for a lot of reasons. Number one, if you know my story, uh, you know that February 8th, 2016 is the day that my younger brother died. Took his life, committed suicide. Um, and so it's a hard day for me. <laughs> and I decided that I'm going to go out of town this weekend. Um, and uh, it's also the weekend after the NFL season has ended. And I just need a break. And so uh, I, I recorded this early. It'll come out, I think, Saturday is when I'll schedule it to, rec- to, to publish and come out. Um, but, but I want you to know that if, if you're watching this or listening to this, um, I'm on a beach somewhere in a really cheap, really cold Oregon town, southern Oregon beach, where it's hopefully raining really, really hard. Uh, I'm reading a book. Uh, my girlfriend and I are having pizza or something. I don't know. Um, I'm going on vacation. I just want to say thank you so much, guys, because uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm going to Bandon, Oregon. It's a tiny little town. It's really cheap. Um, but you guys supporting Strong Opinion Sports made a brief little vacation like that possible. Uh, and I just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Um, it, it means the world to me to be able to do something like that. Uh, I don't make a ton of money. I make enough to survive, which is certainly better than I used to, right? Which is pretty cool. Uh, but to have enough money to go on a vacation and do little things like that is uh, pretty special and means a lot to me. So I just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart uh, to the people who support me on Patreon because your money goes a long way. It really, really has huge impact on my life and it means the world to me. Um, today is Ask Zach episode nine. And uh, we have so many great questions. So last episode for episode eight, I was get, kind of getting frustrated. I was like, Hey guys, I need questions. <laughs> like, I know there's like 450 some people that are Patreon supporters. Why are there not more questions? And you guys really responded with a lot of questions. Uh, so many that I couldn't even put them all into this episode, which is, it's a good problem. I'd rather have more than I need than not enough. Cause what I do is I save all the good questions. I put them on the back burner and treat them as like there's one about Formula One racing. There's one about all or nothing, the, Net, the Amazon Prime series. Like there's stuff that I can't get to yet, but I will someday. And I like having more questions than I need. What's hard is to make a show when you don't have enough questions. So please keep sending them. It made me overjoyed uh, to have a bunch of questions. If you have no idea, I think there are some people out there that don't know how Ask Zach works. If you don't know, we are reading questions from Patreon supporters. How do you submit a question? You go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more than a dollar a month if you want. Please do it. Literally pays my rent. It's a huge help. Um, But if you pay a dollar a month, you get uh, the opportunities to submit questions. Once a week, I pick the top couple questions and answer them on the full episode of Ask Zach. That's what this is. Uh, I also want to say, if you donate money, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. The only Because there's so many, and I I try to pick the best ones. And if there's a bad question, I'm not going to read it. And so... Uh, among other things, like there are some questions about topics I just have no idea about. And I'm not going to pretend to know something I don't. Uh, I'll have fun with it. Like I, I really enjoy this, but it, there's boundaries. Um, but what I do guarantee is I look at every question with my eyeballs. I look at every single question. I promise that. That's my guarantee. I look at it with my eyeballs. And then I pick whatever questions I find most interesting and best for the show, and I, I pick those. Um, so without further ado, I want to start with a really cool question from Austin. Austin writes in. He says, hey, Zach. 
I just committed to a D1 school. He said what school. I left it out. It's a D1 to AA, uh, Big Sky Conference school. What is your advice going into my college career? Thank you for the show. You rock. Austin, um, man, I have so much advice. I think the most important thing, though, is that you appreciate every single day. Uh, I, I, want, I was going to go somewhere else. There is something really important I have to say. But be sure every single day you go to practice, have a good time, smile. It's hard. There are days in later in the year especially where it's raining and it's cold and your body hurts. Don't let yourself get into that rhythm of being negative. Enjoy every single moment. Every single moment playing college football is fun if you allow it to. Your attitude is a choice. So please, Austin, my, I, my number one advice, choose to have a good attitude every single day. That will go... It's not just in football, just in life. That's going to take you so far. But if you, every day you walk onto the football field at practice and you smile and go, dang, this is awesome. I'm happy to be here. That's going to help you a lot. Now, here my number set, uh, two piece of advice. This is really, really huge. Please listen to this. Figure out what you want from the experience. Figure out what you want and then go get that. Do you want to have fun? Are you in college? Like It's free college. You want to have fun and enjoy the experience? That, that's the thing people want. Do you want to get your degree? Do you want to be a guy who's on the dean's list and have like are you using the opportunity to get a piece of paper i hope so because you're d1 a let's be honest you're not alabama you're probably you may or may not play in the nfl but please get your degree but the number three thing this is really important if you want to be an all-american football player and you want to be the best football player possible commit to that invest in that buy into that pursue that with 100 effort whatever experience you want take the time before you leave sit down journal write about it figure out what do I want to get out of this experience? And then pursue that with 100% effort. Uh, I got to say, and again, I go back to you. Every single day, Austin, please promise me that this one thing, all I ask from you, choose to have a good attitude every single day. It will go so, so far in your college football career. It'll make a huge impact. People want to be around you. Coaches will like you more. You'll have a better time. You'll smile. It'll be easier to enjoy it. Have a good attitude every single day. And then number three, man, if you have any questions or ever need help, please send me a direct message. You, you support me on Patreon. You, got, you can reach out to me. Please do. Uh, I love, love helping athletes. I've, I've talked to college athletes all over the country at every single level. I've talked to quarterbacks you've heard of. I've talked to quarterbacks that blows my mind. They even, like there are people that DM me and I go, are you serious? You're reaching out to me? I feel like I'm a lonely little fish and they're this guy with, hundreds of thousands of followers. And there have been quarterbacks that reach out to me asking for help and it blows my mind, but I love it. I, I absolutely love doing that. So please, if you're an athlete out there, Austin, especially, I'm, I'm talking to you directly, Austin, if you need help, send me a message. I would love to help you. It would mean the world to me. Uh, I've been through a lot personally. I've played a lot of college football. Uh, that's not true. I've been to a lot of colleges. I've played for multiple college football teams. I've had painful experiences, but I've learned from all of them. And uh, if, if you ever need help, i it would make me so happy to help you. I love helping guys. Uh, there, there's like a whole list of, on my contacts, a whole list of guys that just call me for advice, getting their heads on straight. We talk about football a little bit, but mostly we talk about life, but it helps them with our, on the football field. So Austin, if you want to be one of those guys, please reach out to me. Uh, it means the world to me. I love helping guys uh, get through college football. And especially that first semester as a freshman can be really overwhelming. There's a lot going on. It's easy to get lost. And so I just encourage you, man, have a great attitude every single day. Figure out what you want from that experience. And if you need help, you, you, you're with, you have me on Patreon. You can send me a message anytime you want. I'd love to help you. Uh, you're, you see, I'm like a, a, I don't know. I, make, I haven't talked to you a lot. We, we've sent a couple messages, but I really hope you do well. And uh, please reach out if you ever need to. 
The second question is from Chris. It's interesting. Uh, I had it farther down on the list. I moved it up because I just, I'm, I don't know, it felt right. Uh, Chris writes in, why can't I get this straight? The stupid auto lock never works on Google Docs. It's really awful. Chris writes in, he says, hey, Zach, I've been watching the podcast for almost six months now and have been amazed at how disciplined you are and how much work you put into what you love to do. Strong opinion sports. For me, I've always loved so many creative processes like writing, but seem to avoid doing it for reasons I'm not sure about. What keeps you focused and disciplined on what you want to do with the podcast and the hours you put in? Thanks for putting in the work you do, because I wouldn't have loved football nearly as much as I do now, if not for strong opinion sports. From Chris in L.A. Um, motivation, man, is, is really hard, actually. I think, so you talked about writing. If you want to be a better writer, sit down and write. Sit down and write. It's that simple. If you want to write something, sit down and write. And it literally starts with writing down the words, I am supposed to be writing. I don't know what to write. And as you get your thoughts on paper, eventually it'll turn into something better and more helpful. I always start a writing session about sports with writing about crap that is just literally me going, crap, it's another day. I don't want to write because writing is weird. And eventually you learn to love it. It becomes easier. I can really click into it now. But especially early on, that was the trick I learned to get better at writing and get myself to write when I was lacking motivation. It was I would literally write, I would start by writing how much I didn't want to write. And eventually it would morph and transition into me writing about sports and writing about good content and good stuff like that. Um, man, I, I, I don't know. I haven't, I, this is my second podcast I've recorded in three hours. I love what I do. It, it's, it's really huge. Uh, I think a lot of people say like, they, they say they want to do it. And then they never do it. If you really want to do something, you'll do it. And if you haven't done it yet, be honest with yourself. Maybe you want to be creative and you think you want, you think you want to be creative, but you don't actually want to be it. Does that make sense? Like, is it, a really, is it really something you want to do? Or is it something you say you want to do? Because there is a big difference there. And that's a brutal thing you should deal with on your own. Um, but if you always say you want to do creative work and you never actually do creative work, how badly do you actually want to do it? And maybe, but the other honest truth is maybe you're just tired. Uh, I remember when I worked at the car wash. I worked at a car wash for two years. Um, there, it's hard to be creative when you're exhausted. And one of the things I've learned is I, um, I burn out constantly <laughs> making podcasts and making shows. Um, and I've learned I need to slow down sometimes and take a night off and recalibrate and remind myself why I do this. Because I, I make content because I love making content. It's the best job in the world. It's my favorite thing in the world. And you want to make sure that you're making content that you love and that you care about and that you would want to watch or want to listen to. So, man, I don't know. And then the other thing is organization. I, my, <laughs> I look like an insane person. If you walk into my studio, there's like lists all over the walls. <laughs> there's paper everywhere. It's a, looks like you ever seen that meme of Charlie from, uh, always sunny in Philadelphia. He's like on the wall and there's all these red. Li- that's what my, that's what my studio looks like. It looks insane. Like my brain. Um, but it works because I have, I have a list, and even though it looks like a chaotic mess, the truth is there's an organization and a structure to it. I always have a flow. These are the things in progress. These are the things that are done. These are the things I want to do eventually on another list. Like There's always a flow and a station, and the more organized you get, uh, the better it is and the easier it is to be creative. So st- figure it out. Um, you know, Figure out a process that works for you. If you need to write, sit down and write, uh, and then when you're tired, rest. You know? <laughs> um, maybe you're just exhausted and uh, I don't know that if you never do work, maybe you're always, t- I have no idea what, how to answer that. But, um, those are the things I've done that have helped me be creative and, uh, get motivated and do stuff when I, when I need, it's time to work. Okay. The next question is from Cole. 
Cole writes in and says, Hey, Zach, I remembered you said you were a really big Survivor fan. Who is your favorite Survivor contestant of all time? It's got to be Russell from Season 19 and Heroes vs. Villains. Thank you for reading this with your eyeballs. Um, yeah, man, Russell's my favorite. I, I don't know how. I think he's the best Survivor character of all time. He's from Samoa. Uh, Survivor Samoa. I mean, he was in Survivor Samoa. He should have won, by the way. If that was Season 19, like you referenced, see, the Samoa season, the one that was the first with Russell hands. It was, because Season 20 was Heroes vs. Villains. So, he was insane. Like, the best player I've ever seen in my life in Survivor. And the fact that he didn't, he got to the end twice and didn't win because people didn't respect the way he played. Like, what? It's very weird because you watch the newer seasons and people have started to respect the type of gameplay, the backstabbing, the lying, the way that... I love it. It's super entertaining. It works. It makes sense to me. Like, you do what you got to do. People get all emotional and like, oh, you betrayed our friendship. It's the game. It's Survivor. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make a million dollars. Like, I've never understood that part of it. So, uh, Russell's my favorite player of all time. I loved Tony, uh, the, guy, the Cops R Us guy from Braun versus Brain versus, I think, Beauty was the other tribe. Um, Christian and Ben, both from season 39, are phenomenal. Maybe season 37? No, Ben was season 37. I can't remember. Ben, the veteran, was incredible. Uh, he kept finding idols when they wanted to get rid of him. He would literally walk around at night and find idols while people were sleeping. like Because they wanted to get rid of him, and they couldn't because of how good he was at finding idols. That's awesome. And then the other guy from that same season was Christian. And, and maybe it was a different season. I can't remember. Heels versus Hustlers. The, the guy from David versus Goliath, Christian, right? Was, uh, yeah, it was. He was a different season. They were different seasons because one is David versus Goliath. One is Heroes versus Hustlers. Versus, uh, oh, I can't remember the other one. But my point is, uh, we're losing the topic here. The guy named Christian. If you ever want to look up on YouTube, just maybe you don't watch Survivor, maybe you do. Look up Christian from Survivor. Not only does he look like Gardner Minshew, but like a nerd. He looks like a nerdy version of Gardner Minshew. Like you have like Safari Gardner, you have Aviation Gardner, you have Football Player Gardner Minshew, and then you have Nerdy Gardner Minshew. He's like the nerdy version. If you were had like a whole action figure line of Gardner Minshews. <laughs> out of my mouth that's the most absurd thought i've had all day um and in and, and a while let's be honest um but he's the guy if there's any person i could pick to come back onto the show it would be christian from uh david versus goliath he's phenomenal he's awesome i loved him and uh he was funny man he just was such a character in the most eclectic interesting oddball way christian from survivor and russell hans are my two favorite survivor characters of all time Okay, Connor writes in. Connor says, Hey, Zach, first time listening, long time caller. I think you mean the opposite. First time caller, long time listener. Uh, what are some of the most misleading stats from the NFL season, whether they are good or bad? And the reason why you're wrong about that, you can't be a long time caller unless you know the show exists, which means it cannot be possibly your first time listening. Does that make sense? If you've never listened to the show before, but you're a long time caller, that doesn't make any sense. That makes sense, right? It does. Okay. Um, stats. There are so many meaningless stats in not just football, just in sports. Um, people value stats and numbers way too much. It, for, it's, there is value to stats. I'm not saying that. But the way that people use stats to evaluate players is wrong. There's this you know, like fantasy football mentality where people don't know football very well, but they play fantasy football, so they rely on numbers and touchdowns and interceptions, and they only look at football from the analytics part because they don't actually know football very well. It's people that are like math nerds or um, people that don't know the game 
just rely on stats. It's very lazy and it's the wrong way, in my opinion. And a lot of people. So, by the way, I've got a couple contacts in NFL front offices. They all agree with me. They all say, yeah, there's a culture in the sports world and in the world of football where fans are beginning to buy into this. I call it fantasy football crap where they think that touchdowns or statistics mean a player is good or bad. It's not true. Stats are not the story. That's how I would put it. There's a story behind the numbers. Uh, one way to put it is, uh, you know, the 49ers dominated the Kansas City Chiefs statistically in the Super Bowl, but which team won? The Chiefs won. Oh, interesting. Or think about the fact that, you know, you can have a high completion percentage, but it's only because you throw checkdowns and two-yard passes the entire game, and you never threw a touchdown, you never had a good throw, you never threw the ball downfield, you just threw checkdowns all game. Having a high completion percentage can be incredibly overrated. It's really easy to skew numbers and make it to fit your narrative. People do this all the time, Uh, especially analysts on TV, selectively pick numbers that fit their narrative and ignore the numbers that don't agree with the things they're talking about rather than just looking at the film. Film, especially in football, more than other sports, like shooting percentage in basketball is hard to argue with because it's a different sample size. But in football, the film doesn't lie. The film is way more important than the numbers. Max Crosby is an incredible defensive end for the Oakland Raiders, or I guess now the Vegas Raiders. And his numbers won't show up as this incredible. Like, he's good, but it, the, way his number, the way he produces is a lot different than guys like Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack gets a lot of sacks. Uh, there's that, the other, Cleveland Farrell, the, the new def- defensive end the Raiders have. He sets the edge. He stops the running game. He helps in a lot of ways other than getting sacks. So my point is that people only understand certain numbers and they ignore other things that matter and are relevant to playing a position in football. Having good stats doesn't mean you're a good player. You can throw for a ton of yards, but what if you lose by 40 points and all the yards you're getting are in the fourth quarter at the end of the game when the other team is in a prevent defense just allowing you to steal yards underneath? That's my point. Stats are not the story. There's a story behind all the numbers you're reading and listening to. I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. You know, you can't use numbers alone to evaluate a player or evaluate a quarterback or a receiver or anybody. Uh, my best example of this, there are three quarterbacks who played college football that put up incredible numbers and have done nothing in the NFL. Kellen Moore had, was a great quarterback at Boise State, had a noodle arm, wasn't an NFL quarterback even remotely. Sean Mannion set Pac-12 records in college football, done nothing. I think he's Kirk Cousins' backup today. He, he at one point couldn't beat out Jared Goff when Jared Goff was bad. <laughs> um, what's the other guy? Luke Falk, quarterback at Washington State, played in an air raid system, had tremendous numbers. He's out of the league. I don't think he'll ever be back. Reading off statistics is not the same as player evaluation. A lot of people, especially in, you see it on TV, you see it on YouTube. A lot of people go, the guy had 35 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He's a good quarterback. It's like, no, you can't deduce the game down to numbers. I think that's why my show is, I, I'm very proud of it. My film analysis series is incredible because it goes beyond the numbers. I don't just look, read off, I don't just list off statistics. That's not any kind of analysis. That's just reading a list. Stats are a shortcut. What if you throw a ton of interceptions and they're all tipped in the air or they're, they literally, they hit your receiver in the hands, they bounce up in the air, then the ball gets t- uh, picked off. Is that your fault? That's not the quarterback's fault. Numbers are easy to be skewed. You have to ask yourself, what causes the stats? I've said this thing multiple times. The stats are not the story. There's a story behind every number you're reading. Why is the guy throwing 35 touchdowns? Why does he have 11 interceptions? Maybe they're not all his fault. Maybe they are. 
Maybe he has only three interceptions all year, but the reality is he should have had 20, but the other ones were all dropped by defenses. You ever thought about that? There's a lot behind. You can't just rely on the numbers. This is my number main point. Now, numbers are great, phenomenal for situational decision-making. When you're at the end of a game and you're like, should we go for it on fourth and one? What is the outcome based on percentages? That's where NFL front offices especially use analytics and use numbers is to help them decide, should we challenge here? Should we kick an onside kick here? Should we go for it on fourth and goal? Should we kick a field goal or go for a touchdown? Go for three points instead of, you know, whatever it is. That's how NFL teams use analytics. They don't use analytics and they don't use numbers to evaluate players. Fans do that, not people that work in the football world. Again, numbers do not determine whether or not a player is good. Here's the best way I can compare that to. You say a guy has good numbers, so therefore, if a guy has good statistics, he must be good. I'll break that theory right now. Um, Does having a college degree mean you're smart? No. Having a college degree does not necessarily mean you're a smart person. They don't go hand in hand. Now, uh, a lot of people think that's what it means. It's not true. I'm going to tell you a story. I know two people. Uh, one is an undergrad, and one got his master's already. They're a slightly different age group, but they both have a professional career path working as psychiatrists. So the guy with the master's degree works as a counselor. He's sad. He's single. He's lonely. He's miserable. He has no depth as a human. No offense to him, but I would never, ever want to go have a counseling session with him because he has nothing valuable to say other than to listen to me complain. Now, one of my best friends in the world is also trying to be a uh, psychologist. He's currently about to finish his undergrad. Then he's going to go to New York to get his master's degree. So he doesn't have a master's degree. He can't technically work as a counselor yet. One guy is working as a counselor. The other guy can't do it yet because he doesn't have the piece of paper required. Who's a better counselor today, though? The guy who's been through stuff and has a lot of depth as a human? The guy who's an undergrad, even though he doesn't have the piece of paper, he's still a better counselor. He's a guy I'd way rather get advice from and way rather have a conversation with than the lonely guy who's miserable, but he has a piece of paper. My point is that having a degree, having a piece of paper doesn't necessarily mean it's not the story, right? Right? Having a piece of paper is cool. Having 35 touchdowns and three interceptions is cool. Doesn't mean it's not skewed. or doesn't mean there's not something more to it behind the scenes. So... People mistake stats for the story all the time. It's just not true. It drives me nuts. Um, The same way some people think that having a degree makes you smart. Some of the smartest people in the world don't have degrees because they found a better option than getting this stupid piece of paper. It's the same with statistics. Your numbers can very easily be skewed. And yeah, yeah. uh, if you're playing great football, if you're playing quarterback at a high level, your numbers are going to be good. But you're good because of the things you're doing that cause the numbers, not because of the numbers. Why is Patrick Mahomes good? Is it because he had 50 touchdowns? Or is it because of the things he did to get 50 touchdowns? Does that make sense? It's a different level of depth. And that's how people most often completely misunderstand stats in the world of football. Woo! That was long. Passionate. Love it. That's my favorite topic. I hate when people misuse statistics in the world of football. Abdallah writes in, Yo Z, now that football is over, I think it's time to give the beautiful game of basketball its righteously due attention. I agree. I've been a Knicks fan my whole life. Oh, you poor soul. Uh, Which has taken them from a powerhouse in the 90s, 
I will always hate Michael Jordan for robbing us at least of one championship ring. From the 90s being great to a laughing stock for the past 20 years, what moves would you like to see the Knicks make that would make them more interesting, if not better? Expanding beyond that, what basketball moves would you like to see this week as we rapidly approach blah, 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 blah. I'm going to focus on the Knicks. Uh, here, I feel so bad for New York Knicks fans. I would never support that franchise. It would drive me nuts. I hate supporting something I have no control over. I, no way. If I don't have control, I'm out. I'm done. I was a Seattle Mariners fan for years. They got rid of great players. It ruined my ability to be a fan of anything because I was like, if I don't support what you're doing, I'm not going to support you. That's crap. No way. Uh, you know what needs to change with the New York Knicks? There's only one thing that can fix the New York Knicks. They need a new owner. <laughs> Ownership is the biggest problem in New York. James Dolan is the worst owner in the NBA, by far. Here's a great example. Everybody was getting ready for the NBA trade deadline. People are like, ooh, all right. And two days before the NBA trade deadline, what do the New York Knicks decide to do? Their genius owner decides to fire the team president, Steve Mills. Does Steve Mills probably deserve to be fired? Yes, absolutely. Steve Mills was a terrible team president. He's been there for years, and guess what? They've been bad every single year he's been in power. But even I can acknowledge, you know what's a worse idea than firing Steve Mills? So, how do I say this? It's one thing to keep Steve Mills for years. But if you're going to have him on the staff, don't fire him two days before the NBA trade deadline. Right before the NBA trade deadline, the Knicks decided to fire the guy who was going to make all the deals at the trade deadline. What an idiot. Like, what are you doing? How, how can you be that incompetent? James Dolan is the worst owner in basketball. It's kind of like firing your accountant during tax season. At the one time of the year you need him. There's two times a year you need a general manager more than any other. Trade deadline and the, and the draft. You can't fire a general manager during the draft or during the trade deadline. That's exactly what the New York Knicks did. They're idiots. They're awful. It's stupid. James Dolan is an incompetent owner. I feel bad for Knicks fans. That's the problem in New York. You can come up with all kinds of, we should go get this player or that player. It doesn't matter. Everything you try to do is going to be in vain until you get a new owner. And the sad reality is he's the one guy you can't fire in the franchise. <laughs> so my get, my honest opinion is, if you want the Knicks to be better, give up and go find a new team because it's not going to happen until he decides to get rid of the Knicks and sell them to a better owner who can do the Knicks finally some justice. Abdallah, I'm sorry. I feel bad for you. I would never want to be in your shoes. I would never want to be a Knicks fan. Okay, Ross. I, got, I love Ross's question. Ross goes, Have you seen the YouTube video on the coach who never punts? Have you seen Moneyball or witnessed the changes in the NBA shot selections? Bottom line. 49ers take a knee before halftime. What the heck? So I've seen this a lot. A lot of people don't understand why the 49ers weren't more aggressive before halftime. Here's what happened. Because <laughs> people don't understand the context of it. So there was a play, third and 14, with a minute and 53 seconds left. Ball at the 48-yard line. The 49ers stopped Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They had the ball in the field with three timeouts. And they didn't take a timeout. They let the clock run down. Why did they do that? Field position. The 49ers were well aware the, the Chiefs were going to punt the ball away and probably pin the 49ers back in their own territory. That's exactly what happened. On first and 10, the 49ers had the ball at their own 20-yard line. And they didn't call a timeout. They let the clock continue to run. Why were the 49ers so conservative? 
field position. Here's the thing. You cannot risk going three and out with two minutes left before halftime backed up in your own territory. Because if you punt the ball away and you, you if, so if you, if you don't run the, t- if you don't run time off the clock and you punt the ball away and go three and out, then what you do is give the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes their Super Bowl MVP, former MVP quarterback, the ball with good field position and time on the clock right before halftime. That's a nightmare. You don't want to give Patrick Mahomes any glimmer of hope, any glimmer of opportunity before halftime. Yes, the 49ers were incredibly conservative, but it was for a reason. They were backed up. They were in a bad situation where the 49ers didn't have a lot of momentum. And what you couldn't do is give the Kansas City Chiefs a touchdown to three points before halftime and then let them have the lead and momentum going into halftime. Now, in the end, it cost them, right? But you got to understand from Kyle Shanahan's perspective, he's backed up. And the other guy, it's, they did it out of reverence for Patrick Mahomes. They know if they have to punt the ball away and the 49ers and the, the Chiefs start with the ball in like the 45-yard line at midfield after the punt, that's bad, bad shape. Because all they got to do is hit one or two big passes and they're in field goal range or maybe score a touchdown. The reason why the 49ers were not aggressive before halftime was because they understood, hey, we're playing against Patrick Mahomes. We're backed up. And uh, our field position is going to cost us. If we go three and out, and don't burn time off the clock. We're going to give Patrick Mahomes the ball with good field position and possibly momentum. Dylan writes in. Dylan says, what type of video games do you like to play? Story-driven games, shooters, online, or RPGs? Also, what is your favorite game or a top five? Much love and support from Florida. Where do you live in Florida, Dylan? I think I might move to Tampa, Florida. <laughs> Uh, my, my plan currently is to go to Cincinnati in August. I think I'm going to be there for six months during football season and college basketball season. And then the minute college basketball is over, I'm going to move to Florida. Go somewhere warm. Sounds pretty cool to me. Um, Dylan, I like single-player games. I like story-driven games. Uh, I am an introvert, meaning that I like alone time. I, I'm good with people. I'm really good at having conversations. It just exhausts me. <laughs> and I, I don't play video games to be with my friends. I play video games to be alone. Now, I will say, uh, in college, I used to play Fortnite with my, one of my best friends in the world, Jose. He was at my Super Bowl party. Uh, it, was like, it was literally four of us. It was very quiet. We had an introvert party. It was great. Jose and I used to play Fortnite, and I was terrible at Fortnite. But what was fun about it was I just got to catch up with my friend. It was kind of like FaceTiming, except we were doing something actively together. We weren't just looking at each other through FaceTime. Um, but anymore, I only play single-player games. Uh, you know, I loved, I play to be alone. I play to relax. I play to have a break from the world. And these are my, you know, you asked for five. I didn't actually read the question very thoroughly, but I did come up with my five favorite games. These are my five favorite games. Uh, my number one, I, the rest are not in order, but this is my number one favorite game of all time. Horizon Zero Dawn on the PS4. It's phenomenal. It's got a great story. I read every single collectible. I read all the stupid little wiki things. I, I love it all. The story was so enthralling to me. The gameplay was so much fun. It was kind of like, it felt like if Tomb Raider and Doom had a baby together and you were fighting these crazy robotic dinosaurs, but you were also exploring and having a good time with the world. And oh my gosh. And the, the bow and arrow was so cool. I loved like, you could like pin down these robotic dinosaurs so they couldn't run. And there was so much strategy to it. And it's, oh my God, it was the best. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn is my favorite game of all time. I also love Uncharted. I love The Last of Us. I love Doom. Uh, I love Tomb Raider. I, I, I'm fortunate enough that I have an Xbox and a PS4, but I, 
I just really love PlayStation exclusives. They're phenomenal. They really understand how I work as a gamer because I like story. I play a game for the story. That's my favorite way to play video games. And I play to relax. I play to recharge and have a good time. I cannot wait until The Last of Us Part 2 comes out. Uh, I know, I'm sure they're making a Horizon Zero Dawn 2 at some point. Can't wait to play that game either. Um, those are the games I like. Those are the games I play. Uh, Doom was phenomenal. So, oh, my, my favorite games of all time. Horizon Zero Dawn, Uncharted, The Last of Us, Doom, uh, the 2016 Doom, and Tomb Raider. I love the Tomb Raider series. The new ones are great. Um, particularly the second one, Shadow of the Tomb Raider was phenomenal. They're just great games that I love them all. Not Shadow, what was it? Rise of the Tomb Raider. That one was awesome. But the first two were great. Shadow was not as good, but it was fine. Uh, I, I love those games. Those are the video games that I play. Dust Monk writes in. Dust Monk says, Hey, Zach. Long-time listener, first-time Patreon patron. Here's a more lighthearted one for Ask Zach. You've mentioned in the past being approached by high school football teams to be a positions coach and how it really didn't interest you whether it was the style of play or the mentality of head coaches, etc. By the way, to be clear, I would love to be a college. I would love to be a, a, a coach as long as I align with the coach. Coaches have a, a, approached me and they're like, they run a wing T offense. I'm not going to be a quarterback coach for a wing T offense. That sounds miserable. Now, he continues. He says, my question is, if you can't do commentary for the XFL, fingers crossed, but you do end up moving to Cincinnati, would you accept an internship or something similar at an NFL team, possibly the Bengals? to be a scout or a scout in training if the opportunity came up. Much love from Texas. Go Cardinals. Um, by the way, I am moving to Cincinnati. It's a, it's a done deal in August, right before football season. I'm going to move there. I'm going to go on all kinds of adventures. I'm going to go to Tennessee. I'm going to go to Chicago, Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm going to watch a Michigan football game. I'm going to go to Detroit for a Lions game. I'm going to go explore the Midwest every single weekend to watch a different football game live because I'm going to have that. Before I die... I want to have that experience. This is the only time in my life I can go live somewhere for six months and then peace out. That's what, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go live in Cincinnati for six months, have a great time, just enjoy the NFL, enjoy college football, and then enjoy going to Bloomington, Indiana, and go to basketball games. Lexington, Kentucky is an hour and a half away. Uh, there's so much basketball, so much college football, so, much, so many NFL teams in that area right within four hours of Cincinnati. I'm going to go have that experience. Um, now, would I take an internship? No, I would never take an internship. Uh, I'm busy. I have a full-time career broadcasting is everything. I, I work 80 hours a week doing strong opinion sports. People have no idea how much work it is. Um, now I will say I have been hired before uh, very recently to do some private scouting and private player evaluation for some uh, entities in the football world that have been pretty cool. Uh, but they're like, I do like private film analysis basically for these organizations. Um, I also, I love helping quarterbacks. This is, this is, if I ever did this, if I ever worked in the world of football and it wasn't, um, it wasn't broadcasting, what I would probably do, I really like freelancing and doing occasional analysis for organizations. That's really cool. When it, when a, let's say, I'll just say, when a team comes to me and says that they are trying to decide about a player, what do you think? It's, first of all, it's a huge honor. That's very cool. But I, I love it. They send me film. I get to dive into the film. And then I give them a little report that I write up about the player, whether I think it's good or not, and the habits and stuff. And they really have come to value that. That's crazy. I get to do that. I got paid a little bit of money. Uh, it's wild. I've done that now three times. And it's just like blows my mind how cool that is. That I've done that and I got paid to evaluate quarterbacks. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Um, the other thing I could see myself doing, though, 
is like private quarterback coaching. I could see myself helping and mentoring quarterbacks. I really think I understand. I was not the best quarterback in the world. I was not very physically gifted, but I had great mechanics. I understand the mechanics of the game. I know decision-making. I know how to teach the game in a way that's simple and easier to understand. Um, you know, a coach, I, a quarterback I used to coach just got a Division one offer and is playing college football. It's pretty cool. It's, I'm very proud of that. Um, and, you know, i got to say, though, I don't want a corporate job. I never want a corporate job. I don't really want to have a boss. I'm very happy not having a boss. I hate answering to people. Um, I don't really want to work at a sports network. I wouldn't really want to work for the Bengals because i got to answer to somebody, and especially I hate their ownership. It's terrible. Um, and, you know, I think it'd be cool to be a quarterback coach for somewhere or like, yeah, that's where if I ever was a, a position coach in football, I'd probably have to start as a high school or college quarterback coach, which is cool. I love that. But I think after like a year or two, it would drive me nuts because I'd be like, okay, I want to be the one calling plays. I want to have more power. I have to deal with this coach who I think I don't agree with the play calls and I got to coach my quarterback, even though I don't agree with the play calling. I don't like not having control. It drives me nuts. I am a, I, I like having control of things. And when you're a quarterback coach, you don't have the same amount of control as when you're an offensive coordinator. And then even when you're an offensive coordinator, you still don't have as much control as a head coach. And then let's be honest, this is awful. But even when you're the head coach, you still have to answer to the athletic director. I hate having a boss and answering to somebody. Now, I could do it if I really believed in my boss. If I had a coach who I thought was better than me or I thought that knew the game better than me or even if we, we just went back and forth and had mutual agreement and we had respect for each other, I could do that. But my fear is taking a job with a boss I find incompetent. I had a boss one time, I worked in a movie theater, and my freaking boss would run out of, we'd run out of popcorn at our movie theater. How can you be a general manager of a movie theater and not order enough popcorn? It's like the only thing you have to do is have popcorn. You can't, things like that, I hated working for bad managers growing up and I never want to do it again. I'm kind of scarred. I'm like a hurt dog. I'm like, I am not trusting anybody. I hate having a boss. I don't want to have a boss. Long rant is over. Would I work in the world of football? Yeah. I like doing private consulting. It's really cool. I like doing private coaching. Uh, that means a lot to me. It's been fun. I talk to some quarterbacks in the world. I'm like, I can't believe they direct message me. I go, like, you have hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and you're a very famous quarterback, and you're messaging me for help, what does this world come to? It blows my mind sometimes, but it's pretty cool and uh, means a lot to me. Okay, Post Games writes in. He says, Hey, Zach, on your Ask Zach episode from three or four weeks ago, you expressed your opinion on the XFL rule changes, and one that you had a concern about was a 30-second time clock and if it was too short. As a big Canadian Football League fan, I was wondering if the CFL's use of a 20-second time clock and its lack of negative effects on gameplay changes or smooths out your concern. Uh, post games, it's actually not the CFL thing that did. For me, what I, I realized after making that video is that every player on offense has a headset, meaning that the play call goes directly into their helmet. So it's going to really speed up the game, and it's going to make it way faster. It's the, the, the time clock, the 30-second time clock will not be a problem because the time to tell everybody the play will go way faster when it's in their ear and you don't need to communicate it from the sideline or from the quarterback out. Everyone has it automatically. The only way that this could become a problem in the XFL is if there is a technical error where if like the headsets go out and you have a really short clock and you have to communicate to the players and there's not a way to tell them through their ears, that's how this could potentially become a problem. I don't think it's going to happen. 
And if the CFL can get away with doing it in 20 seconds, definitely the XFL can do it in 30 seconds. Um, I just have really changed my mind on this. I don't think it's a big deal. I think what it's going to do is make the games faster and more fun to watch. And I don't think it's going to have a negative effect on the game really much at all. Okay, the next question is from, who is it from? It'll be fun. Can't remember. It's from Caleb. Oh, Caleb. Caleb's one of my favorite. I, I shouldn't say I have favorites, but Caleb has been a really long-time supporter for, man, one of the early days. How do I fix stupid phone? There we go. Finally, it's now vertical again. I, I hate this stupid app, Google Drive. Caleb writes in. Caleb says, hey, Zach, thank you for your excellent coverage of the NFL this season. It's good to have someone who looks at more than the numbers and hot takes that are too easy to cling to. But a fun question. How do you feel about Patrick Mahomes defeating the Madden curse? Winning the Super Bowl during the season, being the cover athlete for Madden 20, and overcoming his injury. I think it's a neat accomplishment on his resume. You know, Caleb, I like that perspective. It is pretty cool. The Madden curse did not pull Patrick Mahomes down at all. Kind of fun. Now, uh, is the Madden curse silly? Yes. The Madden curse is not real. It's, It's like... It's a statistical anomaly that people that end up on the cover have bad things happen to them, but I don't think there's a direct correlation. There's got to be some kind of psychological thing going on or like you get overconfident or you get a big head or you're distracted a lot season because you're doing Madden stuff. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, it, it's the, the Madden curse is a statistical anomaly. I don't think it's actually real. And uh, it's pretty cool that Patrick Mahomes defeated them. <laughs> you could say Patrick Mah- the Madden curse struck Patrick Mahomes. It made his kneecap dislocate. And he decided to overcome it anyways. Maybe that's how great he is. I have no idea. It's just fun to think about, though. Like, oh, yeah. Patrick Mahomes is not only probably the best quarterback maybe ever, he also is the guy who beat the Madden curse. Funny, cool. Uh, usually people that are on the cover of Madden have bad things happen to them and they fail and have bad careers after that. Uh, it didn't happen to Patrick Mahomes. He ended up winning the Super Bowl. Pretty cool. I like that. Clutch God writes in. <clears throat> Clutch God says, hey, Zach. How important do you think it is for young teams to have veteran leadership in the locker room rather than just relying on coaching to show guys the ropes around the league? Um, I think it's really important for, number one, having experience is huge, just in life. Um, I, in my life, always try to have older, wiser people around me. It's huge. Uh, if you're out there and you're a, a guy in college or starting your life or you're young, I encourage you to gather some elders in your life that you respect and look up to and get coffee with them once a month or once a whatever. Just spend time around people that have been through life and have wisdom and are wise. Um, I do a podcast with my dad called the Flawed Humans Podcast where I just really admire my dad. He's really wise. We talk about life and I, my best friend's parents – there's a guy named Kevin. I've got, a lot, I've got a couple people in my life that I really look up to and admire. And I've done the work of cultivating those relationships. Having experience matters. Uh, like Matt Rule, for example, is the new Carolina Panthers head coach. And he talked about in his introductory press conference how he believes it's important for him to hire a veteran coach who can keep him accountable and show him the ropes of the NFL. Even though he's the head coach, he has the humility to understand that he still needs to be around people who've been there before and can bring in a veteran wisdom and veteran perspective to the NFL. I think that's pretty cool. And I think it's kind of the right way to go. Now, veteran players are key. You can have coaches that are older and wiser, but being a coach is not the same as being a player. Not only is it that, you know, a lot of coaches have never played in the NFL, but even coaches who have played in the NFL before, they're still not players anymore. There's still a gap. And so when you have a player 
who's been in your shoes and he's still puts, putting on the pads, he can talk to you differently because, hey, Rook, I've been, I've been in your shoes. I'm still wearing the pads. It, you understand and the trust is there. Now, veteran leaders on a football team don't need to be vocal. Hopefully they are. Hopefully a veteran leader on a team is vocal. You want that. But even if they're not vocal, they can still have a gigantic impact on the team by setting a tone for habits, the way you practice, the way you do this, the way you do that. Uh, it can be very subtle, but the work I think you see every day from a veteran sets the tone for everybody else. And so, I don't know, man. I think that veteran leadership is huge, and it's manifested in ways that people don't even see. It's not necessarily the loudest guy. Terrell Suggs is a, a massive leader on the Kansas City Chiefs team. He's not the best football player on the team, not even remotely. But he brings a presence of a guy who's been there before, who's got great effort, who works his butt off. I'm sure he talks, too. He's, he probably is a really vocal guy. But I know people that talk about him and say that it's what he does every single day and the effort he brings to the meeting room with his note-taking, with his, uh, his effort at practice, his effort in the weight room. It's his effort and the example he sets with what he brings to the table every single day that is why he's a great leader. Not necessarily the things he says. It's what he does. And that's what veterans can do is they, because they've been there before, they set the tone and set an example for all the younger players. And a coach can't do that. Having a veteran coach is great. Even a veteran coach who's been in the league before. But at the end of the day, the veteran coach who's played in the league before still isn't putting on pads and setting an example every single day. That is why having veteran leadership is really important. Okay, I'm going to drink some water. The last question is a big one. It's a doozy. The last question is from Keelan. <clears throat> My throat is on its last leg. Thank goodness is the last question. Whew. Um, Keelan writes in. He says, hey, Zach. First off, I want to say how much I enjoy the show and how much I enjoy all of your content. Not just Strong Opinion Sports. You may remember me from Instagram, and you've always been kind when you didn't have to. We have something in common as well. I recently branched out and got my own place as well this year. In doing so, I moved out of my parents' home and was forced to leave three little siblings behind. Zane, your brother's story has inspired me to be a better brother, friend, and son this past year. And when Christmas rolled around, I couldn't think of a better gift for my little brother than to get us both matching Strong Opinion Sports shirts. Mm. That's awesome. That's really cool. We bond over your podcast, and I'm so grateful for that. So thank you. Sorry for the rant, but here's my question. No, no, Keelan. Uh, those messages mean the world to me. Uh, there's nothing quite like a brotherly love. I miss my brother dearly. Um, that's pretty special. Keelan's question is this. I know your opinion on hot take shows such as First Take and Undisputed, and I'm glad that your analysis doesn't revolve around what others think, and that you have come to your own conclusions. My question is, how much do you think of what those personalities say is based on what they truly believe, and not just formulated to where both analysts don't agree with one another, and it turns into a shouting match? Are their opinions just for ratings? I feel like sometimes personalities like Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman disagree for the sole purpose of disagreeing and trying to, make, trying to rake in ratings, and then it turns into who can yell louder. Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp basically do the same thing, but they do let each other have their turns. What is your opinion on this show's format and some of its fake? And, and, and is some what is your opinion on the show this show's format and is some of it fake? 
These personalities tend to formulate storylines with one another for the sole purpose of argument because I guess no one would watch if they agreed on things. Hope to hear your opinion. Thanks for lending your eyeballs. And sorry for the long post. Thanks, Zach. Uh, number one, that absolutely happens. Um, I'll tell you a story. One time I worked for ESPN's College Game Day. I got to meet the people broadcasting the show. I was in the meeting behind the scenes with how it goes down. And they were like, we need a guy to pick the Ducks. And we need a guy to pick this team. And you had to, they would literally say, your job is to be on this side. Your job is to be on this side. You better find a good argument. That's not good at all. Because then you have broadcasters saying things they, don't, they were told to say rather than what they actually believe. That's completely dishonest and loses, you lose all trust with the audience when you say disingenuous things you don't believe. You can hate me for what I say. My show is strong opinion sports, but the one thing you always will get, you will never hear another person's opinion other than my own. I say what I believe. I'm not told what to say. That is my biggest strength on strong opinion sports that I'm very proud of. And the reason I so strongly avoid having a boss. I've turned down jobs in the media world because I don't want to have a boss. I don't want another person telling me what to say. There are so many issues with these type of shows. Number one is that the number one focus is ratings rather than making quality content. What happens is that, you know, that approach is so flawed because people like producers in the sports media world have a belief that reasonable isn't sexy. And I guess it's not because an outlandish take will grab your attention far more than a more measured, reasonable argument. But that doesn't mean it's right. I, I really am proud of the fact I, I could get more views if I made more clickbaity content and made more crazy statements, but I make enough money. I survive. I'm happy. And I have no desire ever to make clickbaity, horrible content that isn't honest. People say, your opinions aren't strong enough. No, my opinions aren't always controversial. But sometimes the strong thing to say is just the honest thing. And sometimes the truth is not black and white. Sometimes the truth is very um, somewhere in the middle and it's very ambiguous. And I'm honest about that. When there's a topic that I'm not sure about, I say that. I don't lie. I don't make up something. I don't try to pick a side. I just say, look, I don't know what to feel here. And people get mad at me for that, but I'd rather be honest and say what I believe. And that's the strength in my strong opinions is they're what I actually believe. I don't make up crap. I don't just say things to say things. A lot of people say things to get views, and that's completely the wrong argument. It's completely disingenuous, and it loses me. Here's the other problem with the sports media, the biggest one to me. Uh, a great example is some people have a show that is three hours a day, and they do their show five days a week. What that means is then they make 15 hours of content a week. Let me tell you, there is not 15 hours of sports content every single week that's worth talking about. So then to compromise and make up for that, a lot of people, and every single show does this on TV, they come up with filler segments. They're talking about things that aren't worth talking about because they need to fill time. I don't need to do that. I'm so proud about Strong Opinion Sports. Everything I say is valuable. It's important. It matters. There's no filler. I don't need to fill time. If the show is 45 minutes, it's 45 minutes. If it's an hour and a half, it's an hour and a half. I don't have to fit a time constraint. I don't have anybody telling me what to do. These are the biggest problems with the sports media world is producers tell people what to say. So then you have broadcasters saying things they don't believe and building arguments for things they were told to say rather than what they believe. So you lose. It's not genuine. 
Then you have people saying things because they'll know it'll get them clicks rather than it's what they actually believe or what's honest. That's also bad. And then you have people creating filler content to fill time slots rather than because it's quality content. I believe that the world is changing. Podcasts are better than ever. YouTube is a real thing. It's a legitimate media outlet. And it has the flexibility to make quality over quantity and clickbaity stuff. A lot of people don't use it that way. But I think if you don't use your platform to be honest and genuine, you're wrong. And I I think at some point someday, the world's going to change and it'll catch up to people. Maybe not. Maybe I'm going to be a small middle market guy forever because I'm honest and reasonable. Um, But I will never make content for the sake of getting views. I don't believe in that. I believe in making content that, look, I'll pick topics I think people are going to click on for sure. But I'm not going to say something because I think it's what people want to hear or it's going to piss people off and make them click. Does that make sense? There's a difference there. Uh, I make content to make quality rather than to try to get clickbaity content. It's a big difference. um, And I I really hate the way that uh, especially the TV shows in the world work when it revolves around sports. Okay, guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Um, Four years ago, February 8th, 2016, my younger brother died. He took his life. He committed suicide. And it was the worst thing I've ever been through in my entire life. Uh, Heartbreaking. And I learned two really painful lessons I want to share from that experience. Number one is that my brother never shared his struggle. So I encourage you, if you're struggling, please go get help. Go get help. My brother never talked to anybody. My brother never shared how much he was having a hard time. Uh, One day I came home and my brother was dead on the floor. Now, one of the media standards in the world is that if you talk about suicide, you're encouraged to share the suicide hotline. So for the sake of that, the suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. The suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. You can call the number if you want. Uh, I encourage you, though, if you can, talk to somebody in your life that you know in person, uh, a counselor, a person in authority, a teacher, but go get professional help. What, What I don't want, the number one thing is if you're struggling, tell somebody. Don't suffer in silence. Don't keep your struggles a secret. Go get help. You feel like you can't, please do. If you have no one else to talk to, call the number. But if you can, talk to somebody in your life. But the number one sin, please don't suffer and not tell anybody. Uh, My brother took his life. He suffered in silence. He never told anybody. And I wish he had. I want you here on planet Earth. And if you're thinking about committing suicide, please go get help and, and don't do that. I don't want you to do that. I want you here. I miss my brother every single day. And that leads me to the second lesson I learned, which is that I wish I'd done a better job as a brother making it clear to him that he could talk to me if he was struggling. He could come reach out. He had me to help him if he needed it. Um, I don't know, man. I, I saw my brother at least once a week, usually way more than that because we worked together. We didn't live together anymore, but we played Halo together once a week where I'd bring my Xbox over and we would sit on the same couch and play Halo co-op together. And we always talked about video games and movies and sports and girls, but we never talked about like, like actual things that mattered. And so I encourage you, don't be afraid to have conversations with a little more depth about things that matter. Tell your friends you love them, give them a hug, appreciate the moments you have, and don't be afraid to have conversations with a little bit more depth. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. But um bum bam, we are.